Holy Mass today is offered in conjunction with our graced retreat, a retreat for young ladies of our parish and from the surrounding area about religious life, the consecrated life. And we are so blessed to have in our presence a number of women religious who will participate in the retreat. They'll offer their experiences and their insights so that our young ladies will appreciate better this beautiful way of life and hopefully will consider whether the Lord might be calling them to religious life. So sisters, you are very, very welcome today and welcome as well to those who are helping with the retreat and retreatants who have come from outside of our parish, even outside of Dearborn County. It is so good for us to be together today, and I look forward to uh, interacting with you in the retreat that follows this afternoon. I also want to welcome our choir, a special choir that came for our Mass today. It's so great to have your voices helping us to praise God. What will heaven be like? What will heaven be like? You would be amazed at how many times I am asked that question. Often by young people, children, they want to know about heaven. And when I tell them that heaven is a place of, of goodness and beauty, a place that is full of love, they somehow get it because then they take up their crayons and draw a lovely picture of heaven. Sometimes I'm asked that question by those who are at the threshold of death, those who have received a terminal diagnosis and know that they have but months, even a few weeks to live. And they want to talk about heaven. They want to know what heaven is going to be like. And so we go through the scriptures and we meditate upon that which God tells us about heaven. And we talk too about what it means to be, to go to heaven contrary to what our world says in many instances. Many times people hear and are disturbed by the nonsense that comes out of the new age experience that, that when we die we are somehow absorbed into the energy of the cosmos and that sort of thing. We talk about that with death one does not lose one's personality, one does not lose one's individuality, that when we go to heaven we go as we are and we will see our loved ones who have gone before us marked with the sign of faith. We might not recognize them and they might not recognize us because in, in heaven we have been cleansed of all of those things that have kept us from loving and being loved as we as we could be. All of that is taken away in purgatory, and we might not recognize one another right away when we get to heaven. What will heaven be like? 
This is the question that is asked of Jesus, although in a more specific way, the questioner asks, Lord, will only a few people be saved? In other words, the questioner is asking, will heaven be crowded or will there be plenty of room for us to get around? What is he fishing for? Which answer does he want? It's interesting, some people absolutely love to be in crowds. Some people of a a weekend evening will get in the car and they'll drive to a downtown venue through thick traffic and they'll jockey their way around blocks to find a place to park the car and they'll stand in a long line and to get in the restaurant and an even longer line to get into the coat check and they'll be elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder to people and they love that. They love crowds. They love cities that never sleep. They love toddling towns. Others like different experiences than that. Remember the late Yogi Berra was asked about a restaurant that he and his colleagues from the New York Yankees would go to. Many of his colleagues would later be Hall of Famers. A reporter after Yogi's retirement asked him if he goes to that same place often with his buddies. And Yogi shook his head and he says, no, he says, nobody goes there anymore because it's too crowded. (laughs) Will heaven be crowded? The man who asked the question is coming from religious teachings of his day and the day in which our Lord lived that said that the number of people in heaven would be relatively few, that it would be a remnant, that not many would get into heaven. We live in a world that says exactly the opposite. We live in a world that says everybody's going to heaven. Pay attention the next time sad news comes about someone who has died, someone in the public light. What are people saying? I'm sure he's in a better place now. I'm sure he's in a better place now. Oh, really? You're sure about that? Do you know where that person stood with the Lord? Do you know how frequently or not that person darkened the door of a church? Do you know how that person treated his wife or his children? Do you know how that person treated the poor and the less fortunate? Are you sure that person is in heaven? I sure hope that when I go, people don't stand around the casket saying, I'm sure he's in a better place. I want people praying for me. And I hope you do, too. 
I'd rather have people praying for my soul than to be talking glibly about things they know nothing about. How does the Lord respond to that question? Lord, will only a few people be saved? Our Lord recognizes that the man is asking not a general question, but rather, will I be saved? He's asking. And Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate which I'm sure comes as a big surprise to people of our age, many of whom suffer from the heresy of universalism. Universalism, which means heaven is open to everybody, and as soon as you die, you're going to go to heaven. Everybody's... Now, not the person who's directly responsible for the genocide of an entire people. He's not going there. But everybody else is going to go to heaven. That's universalism. That's heresy. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. What does this mean for us in particular? What does this mean for us today? How do we enter through the narrow gate? How do we pay attention to that teaching? First of all, we pray for our loved ones who have died. We remember the dead. We bring them to the Lord at the altar. We do not neglect that and we pray that others will be on hand to pray for us when we die, and we make sure that our loved ones who are near death have the opportunity for a good confession and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick and the apostolic pardon. Please, on their behalf, call the priest sooner rather than later so that your loved ones may have that grace, and if they are able, they might have a discussion with the priest about what heaven is going to be like. Number one, we pray for our loved ones who have died. Second, we make sure that we get into the state of grace and stay there. We make sure that we are in the state of grace and that we stay there, that we avail ourselves of the opportunity to make a good confession, to receive the forgiveness of our sins, and that we persevere through the grace of the sacrament and through the grace of the Eucharist, that we persevere in the Christian life, that we make sure that we are on the right path, that we do not take salvation for granted, but we recognize it as a gift a gift that is offered to us freely by God, a gift that we must accept, a gift that we must cherish, a gift that we must never forsake or risk losing. We must make sure we stay in the state of grace. And we must make sure that in this troubled world, that get so many things wrong, we must make sure that we are witnessing 
to the most important things in life and in the life to come that we are witnessing to others through the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. The evangelical counsels coming from the word evangelical, which means from the gospel, from the Lord, and counsels, the best advice, the best direction, the best wisdom that the church has to offer, that we are to persevere in the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And if you are thinking that I am talking about this just because this is the weekend of the Graced Retreat and that we have all of the wonderful women religious with us and that I am talking to them alone, well, certainly those in the consecrated life take vows to live the evangelical counsels in a public way and in a stable state. And we are so grateful for their witness. But the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience are not just for those who wear habits and live in convents or monasteries. They are for each of us. Each one of us is called to live the evangelical counsels according to our state in life. Each of us will have a different way of living those counsels, but live those counsels we must. Poverty. Poverty. This does not mean that we seek out abject poverty, means realizing deep down within that things are relatively unimportant. Poverty means living out the realization about the relative unimportance of things and that the things that really matter in life are not those things that have a price tag on them and that we set our sights rather upon storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven as the wisdom of the gospel of a couple weekends ago pointed out, that we are storing up treasure in heaven, the relative unimportance of things, a very important witness in our world where people are besieged by every advertisement on radio, TV, and elsewhere that their lives would be so much better if they just had more things. What a lie. What a falsehood. Each of us is called to be a witness against those falsehoods through the evangelical counsel of poverty, using the material resources that we have for the good of others, especially the poor and less fortunate. Poverty and chastity, chastity is for everyone. Single people, married couples, those in consecrated life, 
those in the priesthood, we live out that counsel of chastity in different ways, but live it out we must. Married couples, you are called to be chaste within marriage and within marital relations. You are called to put the other first, to look out for the needs of others, and to realize that you are there for that person to get that person to heaven. Whether single or married or religious or in the priesthood, our world very much needs the witness of the evangelical council of chastity, our world that is caught up in licentious hedonism, our world that tolerates and encourages and promotes and sells all sorts of horrible abuses against the virtue of chastity, many of which find their way into our homes through our computers and through our TVs. It is time to witness against those grave errors and to say, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will do what we are called to do by the Lord. We know what is right and what is wrong, and we will not tolerate these grave wrongs that are so readily available to children who live in our homes. Poverty, chastity, and obedience. The word obedience means quite literally to listen to, to hear, to be obedient. As an evangelical counsel means that we are listening to the Lord for his wisdom and guidance, that we pay close attention to the scriptures to see what the Lord has to say to us through the Holy Spirit, that we make sure that we are asking him in our prayer, Lord, show me the way. If we are young, that we ask the Lord, show me the way, dear Lord, that I am to live out the rest of my life. Please show me what you have in store for me. And regardless of our age, we are praying, Lord, show me what you are calling me to do today. Help me to understand what I am called to do today to build up the kingdom of God. Life is not about looking out for number one. Rather, life is about saying in faith, as our Blessed Mother did, Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word, according to thy will, according to thy purpose. May we who are nourished today with the great gift of Holy Communion, the great gift of our Lord's very body and most precious blood, his real and substantial presence. May we recognize that he is giving us the gift of himself so that we might be truly wise, that we might seek out the narrow gate, that we might not fall for the wiles of the enemy, 
who is teaching us that everybody gets into heaven no matter what they do or what they say. But instead, let us listen to our Savior. Let us listen to the Master who says, Seek out the narrow gate and enter. Do so by following me. I am the Good Shepherd. Stay close to me and I will lead you. I will lead you through the twists and turns of this world. I will lead you through all of the deceptions that are out there. Stay close to the sound of my voice, and I will lead you to heaven. Please, God, may it be so. Please, God, may we be a witness to others of the things that truly matter. And may God bless our religious, those in consecrated life, May they persevere in their public witness to the good things that our Lord promises.